Well, I want to tell you the story of a man who has all the classic symptoms of a disease that has become a global pandemic. And uh, he hasn't taken a PCR test or a lateral flow test. Um, he has no access to either. Uh, but there's no denying that he is infected and he is infectious. He is a threat to public health and welfare. A potential super spreader, his only option for the good of his community is to self-isolate. Um, but he's not allowed to do that at home. Uh, instead, he's got to leave the city and stay in a designated quarantine facility, away from others to minimize the chances of transmission. And this man doesn't live in the United Kingdom or in Brazil or in India. Um, it's not the 21st century. He does not have COVID. Uh, this is Israel. This is the first century. And the disease he is suffering from is leprosy. And as anyone whose life has been touched by COVID over the last 18 months will know, there's, there's a kind of a double whammy of the disease uh, itself. You know, terrible and terrifying in itself. But then that's compounded by the, I guess, less acute but equally traumatic sense of isolation and separation that has come with it. And I think, you know, whatever our experience of COVID itself has been, we have all been so keenly aware of that, haven't we? And this would have been the experience of this man that we read about in Mark's gospel. So he's facing an untreatable condition. So he faced spending the rest of his days away from his family, his friends, and his community. There was really very little hope for him. Now, the word in the Bible that we translate as, as leprosy is actually a kind of generic word for a whole range of skin conditions and diseases, including leprosy. But what we know is that at that time, there were very clear public health procedures in place to kind of minimize the chances of transmission. And this involved anyone who came into contact with the infected person having to self-isolate for at least a week. Um, in the religious language of the time, this was known as being ritually unclean. And it was a state that affected anyone who had come into contact with a, a variety of biological substances that related or had some sort of significance in terms of life or death. And that's another sermon for another day don't have time to get into that right now. So when this man approaches Jesus, this uh, rabbi with this growing reputation for miraculous healing, he knows he's, he's putting them both in danger, not just, um, I guess, in terms of the, the physical, the health implications, but also the social implications. And he's on his knees begging, and the people know that if Jesus touches him, if he becomes, uh, he, he himself will become unclean according to the law. And he's going to have to self-isolate. You know, it's that kind of thing, I don't know if anyone experienced it, but with the NHS contact, uh, you know, trace app, it never actually happened to me. But you know that when you're checking in somewhere or if you're close to someone, you could get a message pinging you, suddenly saying, you've got to self-isolate. It's not ideal for someone whose ministry is really just getting underway, as we've just been seeing over the past few weeks in Mark's gospel. So what's he going to do? What's Jesus going to do? So 2,000 years on, you can certainly see some parallels um, between how uh, contagious diseases with no known cure are handled. Um, but the truth is that nothing today 
really even comes close to the social stigma that this um, leprosy would, would cause sufferers back then um, and, and still does in some cultures today. Um, I do remember, I guess, in the, in the early days of uh, COVID, when people caught COVID, there was almost this sort of slight sense of kind of embarrassment or shame associated before the world had kind of woken up to just how easy it was to contract uh, COVID and how for months really we totally misunderstood its main way of spreading. But we also know that with COVID the length of quarantine is, is limited. It's not endless, although let's face it, the lockdowns have felt like that at times. But I think there is resonance for us in this story because while people don't experience the same level of social exclusion for COVID today as they did for leprosy then, its overall impact, I think, has, of this pandemic has been something similar in terms of the fracturing of society and the impact on our relationships. So some relationships have been put under Enormous strain by the enforced sort of distancing, even if the digital communications have kind of helped mitigate that to a certain extent. For others, the opposite has been true. The sheer amount of time spent in close proximity has put um, pressure on, huge pressure on couples and families and parents and children and housemates. And the truth is that while for some there has been a, a genuine sense in the lockdown has come with a sense of a renewal or resetting of household dynamics. I know some great stories about that. If, that's, if lockdown has been in some ways overall um, you know, good for your family, then that's great. Praise the Lord. But for the most, I think there will have been some damage sustained in this time, ranging from maybe perhaps quite mild to the really severe. And I think that it's possible after months and months of ups and downs and twists and turns in this pandemic to begin to feel a bit hopeless or maybe completely hopeless like this man in the story. Cut off. His connection to his family and his community scarred forever along with the physical scars that he would have borne. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm aware that um, saying this, this is, this is all painting a bit of a grim picture. Um, you know, it's half term. The sun is shining yesterday, which is wonderful. Um, things are not looking quite as bad as they were, say, this time last year. So I don't want to be a complete misery. But one of the things that we've been seeing, hopefully that you'll have been seeing over these past weeks as, as we've looked at the early chapters of Mark is this theme we see at the beginning of Jesus' ministry of sickness and brokenness coming onto Jesus' radar and Jesus bringing healing and hope. And we've talked about that journey of healing and hope starts with us being real about our need and choosing to bring it to Jesus. Not sort of just trying to do the keep calm and carry on and pretend it never happened thing. So this is actually a story of hope in what was uh, a pretty hopeless Situation. So don't give up just yet. So Jesus faces this dilemma. What, what to do with this man? And the first thing that Mark tells us is Jesus' emotion. Um, that he was indignant. Now that's a strange reaction to have to a sick person. 
But it's not rage at the man himself. It's his anger at his condition. What we're seeing in Jesus' emotion is the very nature of God expressed in human form. And just as God is throughout the Bible, Jesus' heart rails against the brokenness of his children. The same thing happens when Jesus comes to the grave of his friend Lazarus. Sickness and suffering is an affront to God. He is by nature compassionate. And so he finds it offensive to see us suffering. So Jesus is distressed by the condition of this man, the the physical, the social impact of the disease. He's angry about it. And so he decides to do something about it. And so he reaches out and he touches the man. Be clean, he says. And the most remarkable thing happens. Instead of Jesus being made unclean, by touching the man, as the religious law stated. The process is reversed. So the man is made clean by Jesus' touch. It's like Jesus' holiness is so pure, is so strong that it can overcome every affliction and mess that this man can bring to him. And he literally touches the untouchable. And both of them come away clean. And what follows is uh, an exchange where Jesus tells the man to not go uh, shouting about this, which seems a strange thing to, to tell a person whose life you just saved. Um, you know, we've got to remember there's a, there's a bigger picture going on here in these early chapters of Mark's gospel. Um, there's a sense that Jesus is biding his time. He's not wanting to pick the fight yet with the religious leaders, which will ultimately become inevitable. Um, And in fact, Jesus tells the man to do exactly what the law says that he should do. Go uh, show himself to the priests, offer the sacrifices for cleansing. So he's not exactly ripping up the rule book here. And it's possible that he tells him to do that because he knows that this is the only way that the man stands a chance of being welcomed back into society, sort of having the relationship rebuilt with his community, being accepted again, which I guess was his goal all along, was to put, right this man's relationship to fix what appeared to be totally unfixable. And I guess I wonder, as you look back over this last year, maybe even just over this last week, what do you think looks unfixable? Maybe it's a a relationship. Maybe it's your physical health. Maybe it's your mental health. Maybe it's your education, your educational progress, or your finances, or your future. Or maybe it's just your hope. Maybe you have regrets from this last year that you are carrying. Perhaps you've been so badly hurt by someone or by the circumstances of this pandemic that you can't imagine it ever being made right or even being made much better. Maybe you know someone else who feels like that, who feels that there is just very little hope right now. Jesus' mission then, was then and is now to bring hope to hopeless situations. 
You know, as a church, it would just be so easy to stick with kind of nice, um, hang around the easy places, be comfortable. Um, that's just not what we're seeing from Jesus in these early chapters. He's, he's going, he's driven to go to the broken places, the broken people. That's his agenda. So that, if, if that's you this morning, please know that there is hope. Being part of church isn't about everything being fine or pretending that it is or that it should be. Jesus is driven to the broken places, the broken people. That's who we are as church. Even the most apparently hopeless, hopeless situations, you know, the, the, the hopeless situations out there and the hopeless situations in here. And it may not feel like it right now, um, but there's a, there's a, a song um, which I love, which starts with the line, grander earth has quaked before. Grander earth has quaked before. Jesus has done this in the past, does it in this story, and he still does it today. So what can we do? Um, well, f- firstly, I think, you know, as I've said already, we need to recognize our limitations and we need to just simply pray. There are some things that we just can't fix through our own efforts. We know this, don't we? Much like the guy in this story. We need Jesus. We need to ask Jesus to come and fix the unfixable. Um, But we know that Jesus also works through his people by the power of his Holy Spirit. And uh, sometimes healing and hope comes with an invitation for us to play a role in that. So, um, you know, for ourselves and for one another. So here's just a couple of simple suggestions for starters. So the first one um, is, is, um, is something that is suggested for, for couples, actually, but it can work really between um, any two people. And uh, that's uh, the seven minutes of listening exercise. I don't know if any of you have... Uh, put your hand up if you've ever come across that, the seven minutes of listening, or if you've ever done that. Okay, great, cool, I'll tell you about it. Um, it's, it's just something suggested by Relate, um, I think, which is a, a, an organisation that that works with helping people with relationships. And all you, it's very, very simple. It's not very complicated. The aim is to get a sense of how the other person is feeling um, and perhaps a little bit why. It's not about figuring out why they're wrong in feeling what they're feeling or shouldn't be. Um, it's just about listening and noticing. So one person uh, just sits and listens without interrupting for seven minutes. You put a timer on it. For those who are are prone to interrupting and talking a lot, it's useful to have that time because I know in that seven minutes I mustn't talk. Um, So you're just listening. And then if you can at the end, just notice and try and say, try and summarize how you think the other person is feeling. That's all. Just how do you think they're feeling? Check it with them. They might turn around and say, no, you got that completely wrong. That sometimes happens, doesn't it? I say, so I think, Jess, what you're you're feeling is this. And she's like... No. <laughs> so let's try again. And, and then you just switch it around the other way. So seven minutes one way, seven minutes the other way. Do that every day for a week. See where it takes you. It's just 15 minutes a day. So that's one little idea. The other one, perhaps this is a little bit more for parents and kids, okay? Um, and, and again, this is just coming out of my own learning. Just do something fun together. Um, this is going to sound a little bit strange, so bear with me. Watch some TV together, okay? Um, if you're anything like me, when your kids are watching TV, when you're having them watching TV, then that's the time for me to kind of get stuff done or even just to have a bit of a moment to myself. So I realize it's kind of like not something I generally do with them. 
And I'm not going to start talking about you know, choice of TV programs and whether they um, are things that I find interesting or not. Um, that stuff's all important, the getting stuff done and having those moments to ourselves. But I've re recognized recently, I think in all the transitions we've been through, just the benefit of snuggling up on the sofa and watching what they are watching. Um, unusual sermon application, but give it a go. Watch something together properly. Watch something that they really want to watch. Um, and I found that can actually be quite a healing thing, even if it doesn't feel um, that, that worthy an activity. I can see uh, Nathan smiling at me. So he's like, great sermon application. You've got to come and watch what I'm watching. Yes. Okay. Nathan, can um, thank you for helping me learn that as well. So a couple of things that you could try. The seven minutes of listening um, and just do something fun together. Watch something together. But let's end by going back to that, the first thing I said. And, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at Jesus' ministry in this series because we are Jesus' church. You know, you might think that as a new vicar that I'm the leader of this church, but I'm really not. And, you know, the wardens aren't either and nor is the PCC. We've all got roles and all of us have roles, but there's only one leader of this church and that's Jesus. You know, I can dispense some advice like go and watch TV. Jesus can heal our very souls and bring hope where there is none.